Good morning. Uh, Today's scripture reading is from John 3, 1 through 21. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was the member of the Jewish, Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teachers, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mindy. Let's pray together, please. Heavenly Father, may your Holy Spirit work in our hearts, speak to our minds, and refresh our lives as we look into your word today. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, before we get started, I got two things that I want to have you think about. One is uh, this passage of scripture is very familiar, so don't fall into the trap of, oh, I know all that already. So try not to slip into that. The other thing is uh, a request for forgiveness right before I start. Um, there is way more than we can ever cover in this passage of scripture. And I'm not going to try to do that. So I, forgive me, we're, we're not going to cover all this. And you'll thank me because otherwise we'd be here till 3.30. So we'll go with that. In the light of that, now, here's my question for you this morning. I want you to consider this for a moment. What is God trying to do? Is he trying to get people into heaven? Or is he trying to keep people out of heaven? Hold on to that question. Is God trying to get people into heaven, or is he trying to keep people out of heaven? We'll talk more about that. I want to start with this dialogue. This, this is very much a piece of narrative literature. And I want to, I want to talk about 
this story that Mindy has read to us. Let me set the scene. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, and we probably all have our own ideas about what a Pharisee is, but we do know that Nicodemus was a member of the ruling class. He was a big shot in Jerusalem, especially in in religious terms. He was an important person. But we also see that he's come to Jesus at night. He didn't meet him in the market, didn't meet him out on the street someplace, or have a you know, a meeting with him at Starbucks. He met Jesus quietly at night. He was a seeker, and all that we know about Nicodemus indicates that he was sincere in this seeking. But at this point, he did do it under cover of night. But he recognized, in light of the things that he'd seen Jesus do, the stories that were around, the, the things, the whole array of things that were growing up around Jesus, that he was a man of God. So he comes to Jesus and they have a conversation. And I wanna look at that for just a moment. Nicodemus calls Jesus rabbi, which just means teacher. So he says to him, rabbi, we know you're from God. We've seen your miracles. We've seen these great things that you do. Nicholas has an impression of Jesus and it's a good impression. He, He has been struck by this. This has captured his attention. But Jesus replies in a way that I think Nicodemus wasn't expecting, and I don't think we would have expected in the same situation, because he says, you gotta be born again if you wanna get into the kingdom of God. I think Nicodemus is probably furrowing his brown, um, I didn't even ask about that. And here it comes. You have to be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus comes from where he is. Um, (laughs) You know, I can't climb back into my mother's womb. I can't climb back inside my mother and be born again. I don't get this. He's speaking basically scientifically and logically. You know, Rabbi, this doesn't compute. Yeah, the the world doesn't work that way. And he's speaking from the experience that he understands, the world that he lives in. And of course, that's exactly Jesus' point. He says to him, flesh is flesh and spirit is spirit. Jesus' goal in this little dialogue that they're having is to help Nicodemus view the world in a new way, in a different way than the one that he has lived in to this point in time. Now, that gets us up to verse nine, where Nicodemus is saying what we would say, sorry, I don't get it. Nicodemus says, Rabbi, What does this mean? Which is exactly the question that Jesus wanted him to ask. Because from here on, it's really Jesus' lesson to Nicodemus and to us that comes out of this dialogue. Because Jesus is teaching Nicodemus two things here. One, that Nicodemus is a being of flesh. 
He is a human being of flesh and blood, but that's all he is. And then he is explaining, in, in the process of explaining to Nicodemus, you must be of spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. In other words, Nicodemus must be changed. He must be converted. That's an old term that we use in the church a lot, but, but it's a true one. It is a transformation. So, interestingly, Jesus brings up an Old Testament story that comes out of the book of Numbers. It's like chapter 21 or 22 in Numbers, where the Israelites were being just ravaged by what are called fiery serpents. My guess is if it, it would be like if you know, the Deerfield Fair had suddenly a thousand rattlesnakes crawling around on the, on the fairgrounds at the end of this month when, uh, when the fair takes place. Israel is plagued by fiery serpents. And that's, if you remember, that's when Moses makes, makes this staff and he makes a brass serpent that's wound around it. So the, the symbol for doctors to this day. And if you looked at that symbol, you would be cured of being, if you had been bitten by one of the snakes. What is talked about here is that this was lifted up and Jesus says, the son of man, referring to himself, must be lifted up. And so that is the beginning of his discussion about this conversion or, or um, Nicodemus being changed. You see, this is God's incredible plan. God's incredible plan, which seemed ridiculous to Nicodemus when, when Jesus first started talking about it, he couldn't make sense of it. He says, he sent his son where? In John 3.15 and John 3.16 and John 3.17. He says that he sent his son into the world. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And as it says in the 17th verse, he didn't send his son to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. I asked you a question earlier. Is God trying to get people into heaven or keep people out of heaven? What we see from these verses is clearly all are welcome. God's love is not conditional on us. God's love is God's love. And that's why he sent his son into the world, inclusive term, whoever, inclusive term, believes in him shall be saved. All are welcome. That is what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, and it's what these verses say to us. But... <laughs> we kind of like our own way, don't we? We like our own way of operating. You know, we like to do things our own way. And as it says in verse 18 there, that's how we end up orchestrating our own condemnation. We have the way, we have the means, the door is open, God has provided, 
but we say, no, thank you. It's interesting that many times in the world, people will say, ooh, Christians, you're always condemning people. And as Christians, we have to be careful not to do that. That's not our place. But God does not condemn. We condemn. God welcomes. God welcomes. So, what does this all mean? How are we born again? This is where Christianity gets wildly simple. We're born again by choosing Christ. How do we get the life of the Spirit? By choosing Christ. It comes through his person, his death, and his resurrection. That is the means by which we can be born again. And people will say, whoa, that's way too simple. You know, that's true. God's love is simple and clear. It's not complicated. We like to complicate it a lot of times, but it's not complicated. God's love is simple and clear. It's available. All are welcome. So let me just stop here for a moment then on this point of being born again. And let me go back to August 27th at 7.05 p.m. Joanna Dunnigan is just born. Now, what I want you to remember is that being born is not a point in time. Her as a new baby is not a point in time. Joanna is a new life. When we are born again, it's not a point in time. I know people could say to you, well, I was saved. I was saved June 28th, 1957 at church camp. That's great. So what happened since then? Being born again, being born at all, as Joanna has just been born, is being born into a life. Change of mind accompanied by change of action. This is conversion. This is transformation. In Psalm 63, it says this about being born and living in God. The psalmist says, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. We walk with God because he upholds us and we are in his hands. We cling to him. But there's a consequence of being born again. You know what the consequence is? You know what the outcome is? Yes, eternal life. The consequence of being born again is eternal life. Now, eternal life, by the way, is now. It's not sometime in the future. Well, when I die, I hope I go to heaven. That's not what eternal life is all about. Eternal life, when we're born again, begins here and now. You and I, folks, are eternal creatures. You and I are people of eternity as children of God. That's amazing. It's remarkable. Now, I want to I add something to that, though. If 
start, if, if, if eternal life is not something starting in the future, then how does it operate now? Paul says in Philippians exactly how it operates. In the second chapter, he talks, he, he has a little phrase there that we often misinterpret. He has a phrase that says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to be scared of whether or not we're going to continue to be saved. It's not what Paul is talking about there. It's not what Scripture talks about. What it, talk, what it means is with energy and devotion and dedication and strength, we work out our salvation. Our dear friend Ramsey Michaels, who's, who's gone to be with the Lord, but who was a, a very well-known uh, New Testament scholar who went to this church, Ramsey talked about these verses and said, what we understand is that our salvation in being eternal, we were saved. We look at a time when we were saved or we can look at when we are saved, can be saved. We look at it as a point in time as to when we give our life to Christ. But we not only were saved, we are saved as we work out our salvation, as we walk with Jesus and we grow in the Lord regularly and consistently in our life, we are saved and work toward Christ-likeness. And we will be saved because someday, through the promise of Christ's death and resurrection, we will come into God's presence. If the Lord comes back this afternoon, or if it's sometime a hundred years in the future and we're all gone from now, we will come into his presence and we will be saved. It's, it's a beautiful thing that we were saved, we are saved, and we will be saved through eternity. So, I want to focus on one point here, and that is at the end of this little story, in the last three verses there, verses 19 through 21, Jesus suddenly brings in a new image, this idea of darkness versus light. He says we choose darkness, and our little message that we had earlier in the service talked about that, because we have a tendency to sinfulness. But Christ takes this image of dark and light in his conversation with Nicodemus, and he focuses on that right at the end. And so I have to ask you the question, this question this morning, and I ask myself the question, have you chosen darkness? Are there those secrets that you hide? Are there those corners of your life that you you don't want anybody, most of all God, to know about? Do you give in to dark impulses? And you may be feeling right now, whoa, that's pretty ominous. That's pretty heavy stuff. It is. Let me put it another way. Have you ever chosen to do something that you knew would end up a mess, but you did it anyway, just because you chose to do it? There are many elements in this that we have to think about. But today I ask you, will you choose light? Will you choose to walk with God and have fellowship with Jesus? 
Some of you are saying, you may say, I accepted Jesus as my Savior years ago. I did that years ago. Then I ask you again, will you choose the light of Christ each day, living out your life in God's spirit here and now, your eternal life at work in this moment and in each moment? Or you may say, I don't know that I've ever really asked Jesus to come into my life. You can do that today. You can experience the new beginning of your eternal life today. And if you, if you are feeling that way today, come and talk to me afterwards. I will be happy to walk you through that process of asking Christ to come into your life. But I want you to think about three things from this sermon. One, conversion, changing, being transformed by Christ is not a mere point in time. God doesn't live in the past, and we need to not live in the past. So conversion is not just a point in time. It is a change in living in thought, behavior, content of the heart. One of the things that we all have to ask ourselves is, in light of God's work in my life, how do I need to change? What are the changes that I need to make? And thirdly, that conversion is not merely a point in time, that, it's not, that it is a change in living. Thirdly, that it is eternal. God's love is here for us now and forever. Our life in Christ is eternal. So Jesus invites each one of us. If you know Christ as Savior, you say, I am definitely a Christian. If you know Christ as Savior, then I ask you to answer this question for yourself. Today, this week, ongoing, how can I come to walk more closely with the Lord? It's a good question for your devotions. On a day, when you have your devotions on a daily basis, how can I walk more closely with the Lord? I, I often tell the story of my mother who's passed away now, but her prayer each morning, she died when she was 93, and still at that age, her prayer each morning was, Lord, what would you have me do today? That's a good way to start your day. But... For those of you who don't know Christ, Christ invites you if if you know him as Savior, but Christ invites you if you don't know him as your Savior to enter eternal life today. It's your choice. And if you choose to ask Christ in your life today, I make this single promise to you, and that is God will never let you down. God will never let you go. And I invite you to that today if that is a choice that you feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to make today. I want to pray, and then I would like you to consider for a moment, what is it that God would have me change in my life, and how might I grow closer to him? Lord, your love for us 
is unbounded. You sent your son for the world that all might have a way to you. We praise you and we thank you for that today. Hear our hearts. Touch our lives. May we walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.